Star Wars 7x7 episode 3108. Spoils of War is the first of the two episodes released in the Bad Batch season 2 premiere and today we're going to do the first of our two breakdown episodes about the premiere. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So we're going to do this in our typical 7 point breakdown fashion and we'll start off with the fact that we are dropped into this season in a very Star Wars style. It is months later, so months, we don't know if it's a couple or a few or several, but we know it's multiple months after the events of season 1 of The Bad Batch and we're dropped into a situation where The Bad Batch have committed some kind of heist. There's a container that they have, but we have no idea who the container belonged to, and we have no idea <laughs> what's in it, and the only thing that we see is these giant crabs chasing them because Wrecker <laughs> woke up the pod of crabs, but whoever actually owned this container, whatever it was, nobody's chasing them at all, and we get no information about that, so it's a really kind of unusual way to introduce us to a Star Wars story, but also very similar in its way. It's a good twist on an old formula, as it were. There's one thing we do know about that container, though, and this takes me to our second takeaway from the episode, which is that it was a job commissioned for Fee Genoa, who is the new character, a pirate, the most trustworthy pirate that Sid <laughs> knows. And this is the character played by Wanda Sykes. She's the one who asks Wrecker to haul off the container after they get back to Ord Mantell. So we can intuit from that that whatever mission Sid sent them on for this was at the behest of the pirate Fee Genoa. And Fee is also the person who provided Sid with the intel for the next job that they're going to go on and wants a cut for it too. So it does kind of suggest right off the bat, like we're getting two missions that are tied to this pirate Fee Genoa, to this new character. And I know there are folks out there who have seen as much as 14 episodes of The Bad Batch so far. I'm not one of those folks, so I can't say whether she is going to make further appearances, but they're certainly setting her up like they are because she's tied so directly to... <laughs> the events of these first two episodes. For a third thing, we are being presented pretty early on with what seem to be the stakes for the Bad Batch over the course of the season. They have three options available to themselves, basically, which are, number one, work for Sid for as long as they possibly can, or two, make a ton of money and get out and live a free life as anonymously as they possibly can, or option three, get out and also live a free life, except instead of just being anonymous and trying to stay under the radar, they might actually do some good for the galaxy. And that's certainly what Echo is proposing. There's a conversation between him and Hunter about this. Hunter doesn't seem quite convinced of the situation, but you know, I think it's really fascinating that Echo is the one who is advocating for this, considering that you know, the rest of the Bad Batch, they were clones until suddenly everybody went all Order 66 crazy, and then they weren't. Whereas Echo has been, you know, a clone through and through, but was through 
going through a terrible experience having been captured by the separatists and put through all sorts of awful things. I mean, he's gone through more traumatic experiences, I would think, than any of the members of Clone Force 99. That's a pretty big deal. But he doesn't want to just do missions. He wants there to be purpose and meaning for what they're doing. And I think it's really cool that he's the character advocating for that. Now, the fourth thing for our takeaways has to do with the mission that Sid gives them, which is to get a piece of Count Dooku's war chest. So how crazy is it that we're hearing about Count Dooku in this? I think that's really rather awesome and going back to Sereno for it. So Count Dooku apparently amassed a ton of wealth by you know, stealing things from systems that were under his control and we'll learn a little bit more about that in the next episode. But yeah, the entire wealth that he's gathered is now being taken over by the Empire and we get to see how Sereno has been treated. It has just been bombarded and it's just awful like what you see the empire being capable of and you know building off the events of the andor series where we also saw what the empire is capable of i mean it takes on a bit more gravity under the circumstances and it's even crazier that one of the firefights at the end happens in Count Dooku's office itself. And Wrecker walks into the place and says, oh, this place gives me the creeps. <laughs> Just certainly a you know, well-deserved sensation that he should be getting considering who its previous occupant had been. How they got in there, though, ties to my fifth takeaway, which is the fact that animation really does allow for more amazing action sequences and maybe straining the bounds of believability. I'm surprised that Omega didn't tear her hands up sliding down the cable barehanded when they were on Crab Beach trying to deal with all of these crazy crabs. And Hunter and Wrecker dropping off of that cargo ship and managing to land on top of the spire of Count Dooku's castle and slide down and still manage to survive not only hitting <laughs> the edge of that spire but then also how far they slid down. At least Hunter was able to stop himself with his knife but record just went boom 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 right? But that's okay like I said it's animation. We're allowed to stretch the bounds of believability in that regard a bit more than we would with live action but the crab sequence, the sequence with all of the containers falling off of that cargo ship, the sequence with Hunter and Wrecker trying to <laughs> land successfully on the tower and deal with all the troopers that were attacking them in Count Dooku's office. Really, the action stepped up in a tremendous way to start off this second season, and the animation has been brilliant so far. For his sixth takeaway, I'll mention the clone troopers. So we are still dealing with clone troopers. And again, we're still within a year from the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. So we're not that far along in terms of when we should see less clone troopers and more stormtroopers necessarily, but we are still seeing clone troopers and a Captain Wilco, which by the way, there's no Captain Wilco mentioned in other Star Wars media. So this is a new clone captain that we're seeing. And there's at least one other clone trooper mentioned, clone CT-8801. That's the one that gets zapped initially by Wrecker, which alerts the clone troopers to their presence because he doesn't report in. And that's also a new clone trooper as well. One thing that was very interesting about the way the clone troopers were handled by Clone Force 99 is that they were only shooting to stun their fellow clone troopers. They were not shooting to kill. 
I don't fully remember if that was the case in season one, but I have a feeling it probably was under the circumstances, and I just think that's a rather interesting choice to make, and certainly probably the right one in the circumstances, knowing that they are dealing with their clone brothers, and yeah, it might be different when they're dealing with non-clones. I'll be interested to see how that choice unfolds as I'm you know, paying attention to it more during season two. And the last thing I'll flag is rolling back to something Sid talks about early on in the episode when the clones are basically contemplating their life choices and <laughs> whether they'll just continue working for Sid and maintaining the status quo or whether they want to get out and get anonymous or get out and do some good. Sid points out the fact that eventually the Empire is going to come to Ord Mantell and at that point they will be out of business. She's going to have to shut down her operation. I did wonder whether there was any analogy to Lando and the Empire Strikes Back. Yes, I know the Empire eventually got to Lando, but the situation before that was that Lando said that he was a small operation and that he really wasn't getting the attention of other larger organizations, let alone the Empire. The only reason the Empire showed up is because they figured that Han and the rest of the gang were going there. So it does make me wonder whether there's a world in which Sid is able to run her operation because it is too small, comparatively speaking, to get noticed by the Empire. Although... <sighs> She is kind of putting Clone Force 99 in the way of the Empire on a pretty regular basis. I don't know, but they are seeming to potentially hint to the foreshadowing that the Empire will eventually come to Ord Mantell, and if it does, then life is going to change in a hugely significant way for Sid and for Clone Force 99. And that is going to do it for our seven-point takeaway breakdown of Spoils of War, which is the first episode in Season 2 of The Bad Batch, and that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.